Hey everyone, welcome to Ask Shane Anything. This is a show where literally you can ask me anything. It doesn't matter whether it's about games or anything else. If I know about it, I will answer it. Um, I am just about to head back to California. This is another episode that I banked before I left and then produced it and got it ready to go for you guys before I took off, which has been insane. I'm just going to be honest. It's crazy the stuff I do. I basically had to do two, three weeks of work in one week. I had to do the work for the week, all the content that you're going to see, and at the same time, create the content for the next two weeks. I have been working like 18-hour days for like the last week to do this. Um, this is one of the last shows that I'm recording. So anyway, this is going to be a little bit shorter than the usual episodes of Ash Ain't Anything. And again, this show is a reward for those of you who pledge $7 or more per month. Everybody gets to watch the archive. However, how much you pledge does help your questions get into the show. The more you pledge, the more likely they are to get in. So if you're into the show and you want to see it continue, head to patreon.com slash sifted. Bump up that pledge to $7 more or more per month. And it'll be much more likely to continue. Let's get to this week's question. Our first question this week comes from someone who usually has a question in every single episode, and that is Kevin. Why do you think Activision changed the way it usually introduces a new Call of Duty game? The campaign is usually shown off first, then after a couple months, the multiplayer, and then whatever the third mode is. It tends to build up hype. Everything was shown at once this time, but why? Okay, Kevin, first thing you do have the order of the way things are revealed reversed. Usually what would happen was we would go to a pre-E3 event, not necessarily Judges Week either. Like Activision would usually do a separate event away from Judges Week. Um, and you go check out the multiplayer. And sometimes they would just tell you about the multiplayer, but sometimes you get there and they'd have a kiosk where you could actually play it. But it was always the multiplayer first because let's be honest, that is where Call of Duty's bread is buttered. And then after that, you would get the campaign. And then after that, you would get zombies or whatever the extra mode is. You're right. It's depending on the developer that changes what the extra mode is in Call of Duty every year, typically. Although, however, lately, it feels like Treyarch is just making sure the zombies is in everything. So anyway, your order was a little mixed up, but the sentiment of your question still stands. Why have they changed things? So we just learned about the new Call of Duty like a week and a half ago. By now, we should have already moved on to the campaign stage. And right now, we should be waiting to hear about Zombies waiting, and then wait for its release in late October or early November. However, as you said, Activision revealed everything at once this time in one day, which is kind of crazy. But the reason I think that this has happened is because there was no E3. <clears throat> and you can say, well, Shane, you know, E3 hasn't really happened for a couple years or whatever. And that's true. But I do think that the industry really thought E3 was happening this year. I did. Um, pretty much everyone I talked to was like, oh, it's a lock. And that was not the case. And I think maybe it threw Activision for a loop. I do not know this for a fact. I'm just guessing. Um... I have not talked to anyone at Activision or at any of the teams that work on Call of Duty about this. So um, my guess is that the lack of E3 just threw their schedule into a tailspin. Now, you would argue they could pivot and maybe say, okay, well, E3 isn't happening. Well, we'll just schedule this event for late June and another one for late July and then another one for late August. I'll be honest with you, I don't know why <laughs> this has happened this way. Maybe they've just decided that this is a better way to do it, which is insane because last year's game is the best-selling Call of Duty ever. So I'm not sure why, and I will say this, um, it was not smart. I don't think it was smart because let's look at it this way. Usually with Call of Duty, just take Game Face as an example, and Game Face is like all, almost all other game shows in this regard, you get a lot more play out of us if you did it in waves. So you talk to us about the multiplayer. That's a segment in game phase. Then you talk about the campaign. That's a segment in game phase. Then you talk about zombies. That's a segment in game phase. Then the beta, another segment. Then the game launches, another segment. 
Instead, now you got one segment in Game Face. And granted, it was a little longer than it normally would be if we had just talked about multiplayer, or we had just talked about the campaign. Uh, maybe that discussion's only 20 minutes, and this time you got 40. I think it's better to have the machine gun approach, where you're constantly at least dripping out a little bit of new information about the game. It keeps it in everyone's mind, keeps it in the public zeitgeist. I think that's the superior way to do it. I do have a feeling that, depending on sales this year, my guess is they'll probably go back to the old way next year. They'll work out something with Summer Games Fest with Keeley or something. I do feel that sales will have a little bit to do with it, but ultimately they have years of data to show them the right way to unveil a Call of Duty. And I'll say this too, it doesn't really seem like there's a whole lot of hype around Modern Warfare 3, so it'll be interesting to see how Activision looks at all the data when it's all said and done, but to answer your questions, yes, it is different this year than it usually is, and secondly, I do not think it's smart, and lastly, I do think they'll go back to the old way for next year's game. Next up, we have a question from Danny Endurance. Keep asking questions, Danny. Do you miss DJ Hero as a DJ yourself, or was it a weak representation of the lifestyle? What changes would you make if a third entry was to be released? Okay, you say something interesting there. You say... Is it a weak representation of the DJ lifestyle? So that's a big deal. <laughs> so you have what it's actually like to DJ. And I'll say this, DJ Hero did a pretty good job of, they make it about as basic as you can while still making it fun, while still preserving the mechanics of what it's really like to DJ. As far as like learning how to scratch and the cuts and the basic structure of songs and how you scratch into from one song to the next, the points in the songs where you do that, it nailed it. Like, really, DJ Hero is a great representation of the mechanics of DJing, keeping it just simple enough so anybody can do it, but giving you enough insight into what it's really like that really, you could kind of play DJ Hero and figure out if you would really be interested in being a real DJ. So that part of it, it nailed. Now, to your question, which is the lifestyle, there really is no lifestyle. Like, you have the visuals and the overall vibe of the game, that's about as close as it gets to the lifestyle. I would argue, I guess, that part of it's vaguely accurate. But there is no real lifestyle part of being a DJ. There's no um, promoting yourself, making mixes, and then trying to send out mixes to promoters to get gigs. There's no process of, like, there's really no story in it where you're like a young startup DJ trying to get your start in the industry. And you play these big gigs, and then eventually at the end you're playing these massive festivals or raves or whatever. Like, there's none of that really in the game. And that, to me, is where it really falls short. However, to be fair, and this is coming from a DJ of a couple decades at this point, like... It's kind of unrealistic to expect that a DJing video game is going to incorporate all the lifestyle stuff. I'll be honest with you, I just felt fortunate that I got a DJ video game at all. <laughs> like, and the cool kind of thing was that like, I went home the Christmas that it came out, and my wife's little brother, who is much younger than us... Um, he was playing it, and I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, I have been a DJ, and her parents knew I'm a DJ, but they really don't know what it is. They're just like, he plays music, and people dance around or whatever. Um, so it was interesting to see their son getting into DJing through DJ Hero. And the funny part is, now he's an adult, and he is like a wedding DJ. He went out and bought a bunch of gear, and uh, he does wedding DJs in the local area. So they actually stuck with him. So 
I guess mission accomplished there, but I think ultimately the draw of being a DJ for the average person just isn't as high as it is to be a rock star. And as we saw with, you know, Guitar Hero and Rock Band, even the draw of being a rock star wasn't enough to keep the franchise alive. So I do understand why it went away, um, but to answer your question, it gets the mechanics part right, it gets the lifestyle part wrong. All right, our last question for this week's episode comes from Gregor G. You mentioned the word TriCaster a lot. Would you mind explaining what that is in more detail? It sounds like something a normal PC could handle. What's the benefit of using a TriCaster instead? Okay, so the TriCaster is a PC, essentially. It's a little shuttle PC. It's about this big, and it packs a lot of <laughs> a lot of gear into that little box. And how it works is you have a bunch of ports on it that you can plug cameras into, and then you have other ports where you can plug audio into, and everything goes into the TriCaster. And then as I'm, as I'm sitting there for Game Face, I have this screen up, and it shows me all the cameras, and we have three cameras for every episode of Game Face. There's the shot that shows both Matt and I, there's Matt's single shot, there's my single shot. And then there are bins that show you all the media that you have loaded into the TriCaster. So all the trailers that I run during Game Face, all the B-roll that I run that I've put together that I run during Game Face when we talk about specific games, that's all in there. And then all the motion graphics are in there, the open of the show, the close of the show, any graphical transitions, the Patreon stuff that comes up, all that stuff is loaded into the TriCaster as well. And then there are still images, all the images, the lower thirds that go along the bottom of the show. All that stuff is loaded into the TriCaster. And really what the TriCaster is, is it's um, it's kind of like video DJing. <laughs> to go back to the last question about uh, DJ Hero. You're basically just taking all this media and then using an interface, you're firing it off. It's just like being a DJ for video pretty much, which is why I kind of enjoy doing it. Um, and that's what a TriCaster is. Now to answer your question, are most PCs strong enough to do that? Yeah, I mean, it's not about the strength of the PC. It's that this thing is built very specifically to do this. Now, you start talking about like big NFL broadcasts, they also use a TriCaster, except they use the highest end TriCaster, which is, you know, like $50,000 or whatever. And they're in a truck that just has dozens of screens. When you see that, that's a TriCaster. So to answer your question, can a powerful PC do it? Yeah, I mean, that's what a TriCaster is. However, a powerful PC doesn't have four or five inputs for cameras. When you talk about an NFL game, there's hundreds of cameras. So for our purposes, could we get away with using a PC? Because there are programs now, um, switcher programs, where you just have a powerful PC, and then you send your cameras in through like network inputs and things like that. You can do that, but there's no way I could do that and host a show at the same time. So the TriCaster is the ideal solution for us now. Our TriCaster is really old. Um, it's like 10 years old now. So it only does 1080p, 30 frames per second, and that's the max. The new TriCasters do 4K 60, and we have wanted one of those for the last five or six years, but they're like 10 grand and we just can't afford it. So that's why our shows remained 1080p 30. That's the best our TriCaster can output. So anyway, I think that gives you a rough idea of what a TriCaster is and how it works and what they why they exist. But to answer your question more directly, yeah, I mean, there are you can get programs for high-powered PCs that kind of do the same thing. They're not as smooth. They're a little more archaic. They don't have as many features, but it is a cheaper option at the very least. All right, that's it for this episode of Ask Shane Anything. And while you're watching this, I am packing my stuff up, and I'm just about ready to fly back to Los Angeles. This hopefully has been an awesome vacation for me. Hopefully you guys had a little bit of time over the Labor Day-ish period to uh, kick your feet up, maybe have a barbecue and something like that. Anyway, this show is a reward for those of you who pledge $7 or more per month. And without you guys, this show absolutely would not happen. In fact, right now our 
the Patreon total is nowhere near where it's supposed to be to, to do Ask Chain anything. But I enjoy doing this, and I think you guys enjoy watching it, and I feel like it's a great way for us to connect a little more personally. Um, and so I continue to do it. And again, that's because some of you guys are pledging at the Ask Chain tier at $7 or more per month. So if you do like this show, and you do like this personal connection, where you basically have 100% access to me, maybe think about bumping up that pledge to $7 a month at patreon.com slash sifted. So thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you guys next week.